I would tell them to evaluate their to-do list. I would say, sit down, write down everything that you're responsible for, everything you need to do, put it on a list. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Calling all entrepreneurs. Are you working in your business or on your business? What could you outsource so you could focus on growing your business? Do you have control issues and think that you are the only one that can do this task, right? Today, my guest, Rachel Luther, is an entrepreneur who was a virtual assistant before people knew what virtual assistants were. After growing her virtual assistant business from a one-woman show to a team of talented professionals, Rachel is divulging her secrets to success covering work-life balance, strategies for outsourcing, remote work, and everything in between. People often ask her, can you be an entrepreneur and still have it all? The answer is a resounding yes. Rachel finds time to homeschool her four children, that's right, four children, run a six-figure business, host a podcast, and perform in theater and in film, all through the power of outsourcing. If you want to make a more significant impact in your business while working fewer hours, find out how with checking off your list with Rachel Luther. Before we get to this interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. Please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, where you can see this video episode and several past podcast interviews. And... Please, 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 please subscribe to my YouTube channel. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? 
How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Rachel Luther. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest today, I don't know, that I've known her for a while, and I want to say five, six years. Uh, you Probably. Can me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my guest today is Rachel Luther, who is the founder and owner of Check Off Your List. And first and foremost, Rachel, thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule. <laughs> Boy, she really has a busy schedule to spend some time <laughs> with me on my podcast. My pleasure. I'm very excited to be here and talk with you. So you have a very interesting background. And the, the first part I want to talk about, I mean, you are an entrepreneur. Yes, and, for and sure. You, and entrepreneurs, uh, that entrepreneur mentality has been running through your veins for a long time, you, you say. Can you explain that for me? Yes. Well, I saw business firsthand while I was growing up. My dad bought a coffee shop when I was nine. And we homeschooled. And so it was a family affair of running the coffee shop and the restaurant as it evolved into a full restaurant. And um, in high school, I helped him with his back office stuff. I mean, I waited tables and did all the things. But in high school is when I kind of got my interest in my background in accounting and bookkeeping. And I would help him run payroll and reconcile accounts, do expenses, that type of thing, which was some of my fond memories of being with my dad for sure. <laughs> so I got to see it firsthand, just the good and the bad and the ugly of running a business. So I got to see the flexibility that my family got to be together a lot. My mom and dad went to work together and they spent a lot of time together, which, which is a good thing. And we enjoyed the family time. I also saw my dad work a lot of hours every day every day of the year, you know, like it just, it's, that's owning your own business a lot of times. And as I grew up, I saw him do that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I, that's not the life I want, but I liked a lot of the aspects of it for sure. I liked some of the flexibility and I liked the ability to own your own business and make your destiny and make your decisions of this is what I want to be and where I want to go. And you know, it's limitless when you do that, you have a lot of options, but I didn't want to be tied to someplace like my dad was. And so I ended up starting a business just kind of because of life, things happening. And I started working as a virtual assistant back before people even knew what that was. <laughs> and um, I just realized I could do bookkeeping and I can do administrative services and social media from my office at my leisure for businesses. And I came up with that from just hearing about it. Like it's not original to me, but when I heard that concept, it resonated with me in, in thinking that that is exactly what my dad needed. 
He had these wonderful things that he was great at in the restaurant. He had a background in finance and as a CPA and as a buyer, that type of thing. So he knew the money down to the penny. And that is one reason why they were profitable. (laughs) Like he knew what things cost and what it took to run the restaurant and keep those costs low. But there were some things that would have been better off to have been outsourced and someone else could have done it faster. Someone else could have done it better because we can't be everything to all people. And you can't do that for your business either. And so I saw that and realized I can help these businesses by relieving a little bit of stress and pressure in a certain, a few key areas that then allows them to be more productive elsewhere. It allows them to make more money and more focus where they are most profitable. So that's what I just started doing. I started talking to people and offering to help with their bookkeeping and offering to help with just general administrative things, because that was my background. That's what I was good at. And that's, that's where we started. Now, 10 years later, we have all areas of back office support and we have a whole team with expertise in each of those different areas. So it's expanded so much, but that's really how I started and got into owning my own business and being an entrepreneur because I saw it modeled and I, I liked what I saw, but I wanted to do it better, I guess. So 10 years ago, it was you. This is 2021, I think. I don't remember 2020 that well, so we might- <laughs> I don't think anybody was, does. Yeah, that's kind of the sequel from 2020. It's called 2021. Right. How, how many people do you have on your team right now? We have, let's see, we just hired some people because we are in a growth phase right now, which is awesome. I think we have 17 people. I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> um, it might be 18 now because we just hired someone yesterday. And so it's right around that number. <laughs> <laughs> Entrepreneurship. I mean, we just, I mean, we're in a growth phase. We're, we're, we're hiring people. We've hired someone in the last few days, uh, somewhere between 17 and maybe 18 or 19, but it's within that range. Yeah, it's that's one of the beautiful things about outsourcing, though. I am not good at HR, at the hiring process. You know, I feel like in ways I have a good read on people and just interacting with people. But the process of sorting through qualifications, figuring out if someone is a good fit in our culture and the longevity of that potential relationship, I that's not where I excel. And I realize that. So I outsource. I use people on my team who are amazing at that. They will be able to objectively look at someone and talk to them and say, you know what, I love them. We would be such good friends, but I don't think these other things line up. Or they might be able to say, you know, they look so good on paper, but I talk to them and I just I, I just don't think it's gonna cut it. I did, I, and here's a couple reasons why, I just not sure that it mixes. And so, I'm not in the day-to-day of hiring. I send an email with my team lead. Like I talked to her about our current team and realize, okay, we need more people. I send an email and say, go ahead, hire somebody. And then all of a sudden, a couple email, a couple people show up in my inbox from my HR person that says, these are the people I'm considering. Here's why. And I'm like, great, let's keep moving forward. So I don't have to do that legwork, which is why I don't know 100% <laughs> how many people are on the team at this exact moment. <laughs> So uh, I want to back up for a second. Uh, you saw that your dad needed, you know, that, that back of the office support. And I've heard this, I've been full-time with this business the same amount of time that you've been full-time. 
And over the years, uh, with my interaction with the National Speakers Association, I've heard this. Are you working in your business or on your business? Yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So my question to you is, I, I know I might have, I've been known to have some control issues. <clears throat> just, just, <laughs> Me too. Just, just a few. And, and you just fessed up that you have some uh, kind of similar things. Mm -hmm. What was it that made you say, I need to let go of some of this control, turn it over and trust somebody else to do this. I'm going to show them how to do it. And so that you can work on your business, not in your business. Yeah, that was brought on by necessity. Really, I started my business when I was pregnant with my oldest. And so she's turning 11 here very soon because I wanted to stay home with her. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to homeschool and be there with my children. But I also knew I wanted to run a business. I want to have my own thing that like I can invest myself in and do. And so I started my business as I was pregnant and build up a part-time job, essentially, by the time she was born and juggled that from day one. I was in the hospital holding my baby and taking a client call a day after she was born. And just, you know, like, that's just kind of what my life was. And I then had another kid. My business continued to grow as people became more and more aware of what a virtual assistant is and became more comfortable with a remote re working relationship. And so eventually I was working too many hours. I was burning the candle at both ends, so to speak. I was setting my alarm for 430 and working until my kids woke up and then I would be mom and then I'd put them down for a nap and run to my computer and work some more until I heard somebody crying in their crib. And then I'd go and be mom. And then Colin would get home. I'd shove the kids at him <laughs> and go work. And then I would get a text and be like, Hey, it's bedtime. Come give kisses. And then I would like go say goodnight and then get right back. Like I was just too much, but that was survival mode at the time. And my husband essentially looked at me and said, this isn't sustainable. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it just takes somebody else to hit you in the face with what's already hitting you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I knew I had an option of firing some clients. Like I, I could say, Hey, I love working with you, but life, I need to step back. And I could at the same time, hire someone and see where check off your list goes. And I am a go big or go home type of a person. I have a big personality and I like, let's do it. And so that was the route I took. I hired a friend, which I don't typically recommend, but right. it worked out great. Like I, to this day, I don't mix friendship and work 99% of the time, but that did happen to work out for a small period of time. And it was exactly what I needed and trained her to do some things. And got some balance in my life and it just kept on growing from there. So then I just kept adding team members and team members and really like the letting go, it was then that's kind of when that became an issue by survival. I couldn't even think about that. It was like my way of keeping control was hiring someone because letting go of some clients just went like against everything that I felt yeah. as a business owner. And I just saw dollars disappearing <laughs> and uh, with a bookkeeping background and numbers and all of that, it just, it didn't sit well with me. But then as I was training people, I realized like, okay, I need them to do it how I want them to do it. I need to be able to trust that they'll make good instincts. I need to be able to realize that like it's truly on them and that they are going to take responsibility and ownership of it so that I don't have to mentally keep track of what everyone's doing. 
because then you're still owning it. You're still having to be in control. And that doesn't give you the break that you need to truly check out and do something else or to have that balance and not have your business control you. So I realized over time, the whole concept of like the 80-20 principle where everyone has their 20% that they are a rock star. They are functioning at their best. They are uh, getting the best output. They are most effective in that area. I only have 20%. That's mine. So I keep that to me. And I found people who their 20% is what I'm trying to move from my to-do list. And that's how I really am able to let go of control because they should be doing it better. They should be doing it faster. They should be improving what I was fumbling through. And that is very comforting, I guess. That's comforting as someone who is a control freak because <laughs> I'll sign up. I damn, I am. It's one reason why I started my own business. I don't think I'd be a good employee. <laughs> and so that's that's how I kind of found that that solution. And it was a learning and a, a letting go for sure. And realizing that some of the differences in what I see and what they produce might be personal preference, but that doesn't mean that my preference is better by any means. And so I try to, I try to keep that in check and let them be the expert because that's what I've hired them to do. So I will express what I want, my end goal, and really let them run with it. And you learn quick if you're working with the right person by doing that. Because they either produce or they don't. And that's definitely something that when I first start working with someone, we monitor closely, whether that's me or my team lead manager, you know, someone else. Either way, we monitor every little thing at first so that we know what's really happening. And we can see real quick if this is exactly what we're looking for, if this is where they can truly take ownership of something or, oh, they're taking a lot of handholding. And so this may not be their 20%. Let's find it. Yeah, let's see right. where their expertise is and go from there. So let's back up for a moment. I heard, I started my business when I first got pregnant. And then I heard that I had my second child. Uh, I think you forgot about two others. Well, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, because so you, you have four children mm -hmm. and, and, and you homeschool. So yes, you, you are one already pandemic proof because you already had everybody at home and could deal with that. So that, that wasn't a big change for you. True. But, but knowing that you have four children under the age of, let's say, 15, that you're homeschooling, you try to run a business out of necessity. You had to do it. Yes, you, you had to, you had to let go because as you're as you described, you woke up at 430 and probably went to bed that evening at 230 only to wake up at 430 the next day and just constant on the, on the wheel. Yes. So that's how I survive my day to day. And I look at everything in my life and I try to decide why am I doing it? Why am I running a business? Why am I homeschooling? Why am I an actor? Like, why do that's I go right. to church? Like all of these things. And I look at it and I go, why? What's the reason? What motivates me? What am I passionate about? In that area, what's my 20%, so to speak? Like, what is it? Anything else, I try to outsource about it. And so, like, for work, I've got my things here with check off your list that they are what light me up. They are what excite me. They're what I am passionate about. It's all the big vision growth, like, CEO of check off your list. And so I've been able to evolve into that aspect rather than service delivery and doing bookkeeping, that type of thing. And I have team members who are exceptional at doing all the other things. 
so that I don't have to work a full workday to accomplish what I need to accomplish in a day. Because I pick a few hours where I can function at my best and focus on the things that make the greatest impact in my business by just narrowing it on that. And that's my, that's my focus. Everything else I have someone else do. And the same with homeschooling. Like I have four kids, 10 and under, and I homeschool them. Three are in traditional grade age school and one's still a preschooler. And so I had to think about why did I choose to homeschool? What was, what was the point? I didn't go to school to be an educator. So it wasn't about math lessons or writing lessons. What's it about? Well, I wanted to raise my children. I wanted to be a, the biggest voice in their life as they're growing up. I wanted to be there to see the moments for me. Like that's what I wanted. And so I thought about what does that mean as far as homeschooling goes? So I hired a tutor who does my lessons for me. I have a curriculum that helps guide that so that I don't have to think because I could care less what their math lesson is today. Really, I don't, I don't care. I want them to be educated and to be smart and they are, but that's not due to me because that's not my passion. And so I can be there for them and encourage them on a day when math gets hard or help them think through a different creative writing assignment and be the mom there with them without having to devote the time to lesson plans and grading and accountability, because that's not what I wanted to do. So I then outsource that with someone who comes in as a tutor. She's a educated, like certified teacher and helps me with that so that I can do what I'm passionate about. So that's how I fit that in with being a CEO, same type of thing. And it just keeps going to all the different aspects of my life. And I isolate in what I'm passionate about and why I want to do it so that I can look at my day Everything on my to-do list, theoretically, is something I'm excited to do, something I'm passionate about, and something that I want to take time to do. Now, I still do the dishes, you know, I'm not excited about that. But, you know, there is still natural life. But that's, that's how I try to live my day-to-day, and that's how I juggle all the things. So, let, let you, let, we're going to take a little turn here, because you mentioned something that you are an actor. So yes, tell, tell me tell me about that. Tell tell us about that. When you say actor, what what does that entail? Sure. Well, in the pandemic, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was one of the things that I did have to adjust. Uh, but my background is also in theater performance. I started performing when I was seven. That was my first theater production, and um, fell in love with it. I've always enjoyed doing it. Did it through high school and. Actually, part of my degree is in theater performance, communication, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so to this day, I still do performances around Columbus. I've taken a break due to COVID, but I'm just now collaborating with some other artists to put together a short film. So I'm actually going to step into the, the producer role for the first time ever because you, you know, life happens. So you pivot and you adjust and online live performances aren't really vibing with me and theater's not really safely open right now. And I realized we can do a very controlled set and keep everything safe and still tell a story and tell the story in a way that people can watch it in the way that it's intended to be seen. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But before the pandemic, I did several productions just around the Columbus area was in several short films and that's, also part of my me time, so to speak. It's Mm -hmm. something that I enjoy. It's something that allows me to have another like change of pace, but something that I'm passionate about. So yeah, that's, that's my theater side. Wow. Uh, And you also are a voiceover actor as well. 
yes, part of that is voiceover stuff. I've done more corporate things actually than anything else. I am told I have a very pleasant voice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I've done random things for different clients just to do training videos or phone menus or other like, yeah, those just those types of things really. You have a you have a beautiful voice. You have a voice for radio. Now, I have a, <laughs> Thank now, you. My mother told me when I was a kid, young kid, I had a face for radio. So <laughs> yeah, that I, is typically what they say from time to time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it, it, you've got so many irons in the fire. I mean, it's it's amazing what you can accomplish on a day in day out basis from running your own business to homeschooling to managing that to being able to perform. In, in the Columbus, Ohio area. And, and by the way, the next time you are on stage, uh, since I'm just learning about this now, uh, please <laughs> let me know because I would love to come oh, out. I would love to. I will do that next time um, I'm on stage. And when we're, when we're done, there's a couple of questions. We may know some people because there's a few uh, acquaintances that I have who, are, who have done some short films here in the Columbus, Ohio area. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Cool. So my other question I have is, what is, I mean, the people have always been the people. But what has changed in the virtual assistant world from 2010 to 2021? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, so in 2010, everything was education. People wanted to know when I was going to show up at their office to do the work that I was going to do, even though it was literally called a virtual assistant, mm -hmm. it didn't compute. So there was primarily education in that, yes, I can do your bookkeeping from my office. I don't need to come in and see your files in your office. I There are ways around that. And so that was what it was in 2010. And now in 2021, people are a lot more open to remote work. A lot of companies who are brick and mortar are going remote by necessity. Mm -hmm. So it's less education now. Really, it's it's not education at that point. It's we are really it's finding the perfect fit for your culture, finding someone that it, that meets your needs and their skill set. And so I see the virtual assistant industry. I mean, it's expanded to expertise in all back office support. So you have virtual assistants who are straight executive assistants and they are your premier admin. They can handle all of those things so well and so organized. And then you have the bookkeeping assistance or the web design or the graphic design or social media strategy and HR paralegal and real estate, like all of those are now expertise that people offer in a remote relationship. And they're all aspects of being a virtual assistant. And so I grew check off your list to include those because I wanted to be a full service back office support firm. So you had solutions for all the various needs. You didn't have to go shopping and find all the, you know, a virtual assistant for this, a company for this and another company for that. You could find someone to do it all, but you didn't find a one-stop shop person who physically cannot be an expert in all of those things. Right. And so that's like, that's the difference now. I feel like the virtual assistant industry is become super niched in that there, you can get so much from a virtual assistant that I don't think people, I think the assistant word actually does it a disservice because they're not an assistant. You want someone who's going to come in and take ownership of that aspect of your business and tell you how to do it. You want someone to come in and explain 
and take your processes to the next level that you didn't even know that was a possibility because that's their expertise and that's really what they offer. So I would rename the industry if I could. I don't have that much pull in life, but <laughs> um, that's what I see the virtual assistant industry as now compared to back in 2010 when I started. And I was just convincing people that it was possible to have someone work for you and not be in your office sitting at the desk next to you. So as you were describing that, I, I wrote down, because I, I like that, that you said, you know, virtual assistant really doesn't define it. And I wrote down virtual business partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what, isn't that what, you, that, what you're offering, a virtual business partner to be there for the needs that, that your clients want? Yeah. Yeah. And people are starting to talk about like back office manager. That's another term that's starting to come up. And so I think people are getting wind that the assistant term is probably not so accurate anymore. I think it's because it's evolved. It's it's the term hasn't kept up with the way that the industry has changed. Mm -hmm. That's my guess anyway. So what does this world of yours look like in 2031? Mm, yes. Look into your crystal ball and see what you can find. See what you see. Yeah, I think I see a lot more companies utilizing virtual assistants for sure. Like even through the pandemic, it's continued to grow and people are continuing to go remote. And I think with that transition, it's expedited what I would see in the future because people are naturally being forced to find those as solutions. And I see people relying on virtual assistant solutions more and more to in-office support because you can really get the most expertise for your dollar at that point. I think I just was doing some research and looking at costs of doing something yourself versus having a virtual assistant do it and looking at cost of employees versus cost of virtual assistants. And I know, Peter, you can <laughs> relate to all of the cost numbers that I was looking at. Uh, but I, I realizing that it's hard sometimes for especially smaller businesses like mid to smaller businesses to be able to keep someone busy 40 hours a week in their expertise. So you have your admin who you then set down in front of QuickBooks and say, here, do this bookkeeping. And then the CPA gets the books and looks at the profit and loss statement says, what did you do? None of this is in the right place. It's not because they're just making their best guess. They're trying and it's nothing against the assistant, they don't know what they don't know. And so I feel like as we continue to go and people are willing to enter into those relationships where they are uh, remote, you can have someone who is an expert in one area and work with them in that area. And that's what you use them for, but then have someone else over here to do your admin because that's what you use them for. And then social media for your business, because every business now seems to need to have a social media presence and have all of those things that that wasn't required even, you know, 15 years ago. And so I think that just will become even greater of a need. So you should be able to obtain more of your expertise with fewer man hours in your office and on your payroll. And so I just think that that will continue to draw people to the virtual assistant solution. So I just see it continuing to grow by 2030. So and thinking about it, and you said something about relationships and stuff. Has your company developed relationships with accounting firms and CPA firms to be their back office solution 
or be their quick solution for their clients. Mm-hmm. I, I, you get a nice smile going on. There, <laughs> yes, tell, yes. Tell that is, I feel, an ideal thing for CPAs and a company like ours. I think CPAs do themselves a disservice by doing bookkeeping because their skill set is so much more than that. Can they physically do bookkeeping? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They know where all the all the transactions go. They know how they want it to look. They know the end result. But they are better serving their clients by analyzing those reports mm-hmm. and by thinking of tax advantages and the best ways to impact their clients' profits and all of that through their knowledge that they have and through their training and professional development. So they're quote unquote wasting their time in my mind by doing the bookkeeping because they can sell a higher level service at a higher profit margin at a higher rate by focusing in and honing in on those things that are their true 20%. And then bookkeepers can do it I would say faster in a lot of ways and with the CPAs that I've interacted with, oftentimes there are things that we know that we do that they may not be as up on because they've got their brain somewhere else as far as their professional development and rightfully so, because I look to them for those answers. (laughs) I want them to know those things. And so we focus our professional development on the efficiency of bookkeeping and how to do that in the best way so that all you have to do is hand financials to the CPA. Mm-hmm. and they can do their thing and they don't have to worry about cleaning stuff up, making those types of adjustments that are kind of a waste of their time. So that's that's the relationship that we have with some CPAs where we do their the bookkeeping and then we you know look to the CPA for additional insight on the higher level things because we're not up on all of the tax laws. We're not up on all of the things that a CPA works on. And we will tell a client when you're like, you know, that's a great question for your CPA or we'll reach out to a CPA and be like, hey, we have this question and let them know this is what our CPA resource is telling us. I would definitely check with your CPA because they have a better picture of you, your business, but this is where we're at. So that's kind of how that works for us. Well, I think the CPA is a storyteller. and your organization could crunch the numbers, do what they need to do, put it in, mm-hmm. put it in the financial statements, give it to the CPA, and they should know the client's business well enough to be able to go, oh, now I know some things to hold in. I need to ask some questions because I gotta, I've got to tell my client a story about what happened and why this went up this much and you've got to mm-hmm. pay more taxes or why this went down and what the heck happened. Yeah. Uh, I, so you're the nuts and bolts, and, and they they really need coming from a CPA. I might not be a good one. I am the accidental accountant, but <laughs> the role the role of the accountant, the role of the CPA, has evolved to be more of the storyteller than the number cruncher. That's the true. That they, the that they can let go of that control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two experts in a little control management. The more profitable, the more things they'll be able to look at those higher dollar amounts. And, and as I'm sitting here thinking about this. And I wonder about technology in the world of bookkeeping because technology mm-hmm. continues to evolve. And there's these things called robotic process automation, these bots that can go in and reconcile with it like that. Yeah. And, and put is, is QuickBooks gone down that path? Are they looking in and how they can increase automation in their platform? Yes. There's a lot of op- automation that you can implement 
in QuickBooks. There are a lot of features that you can utilize to make all of that stuff faster, rules you can set, mm -hmm. set up so that it says when this type of transaction with these variables come in, we already know that's your electric bill. Mm -hmm. We know who that vendor is and what account, all of that. So yes, those are in place. You need someone to manage them though. Mm -hmm. It's not all knowing and right. any sort of automation from time to time gets it wrong. And so we use those for sure, because oftentimes our clients aren't aware that that exists. So we will set a lot of that stuff up so that we can optimize it and do things as quickly as possible because that's everyone's goal really. And then we look over everything as we reconcile and as everything, because again, another automation thing, you can go to the reconcile feature and it just checks it all and does all the things, but someone needs to be there to hold it accountable mm -hmm. because it is at the end of the day, just a machine who doesn't always have all the intuition. So if it can't figure, if it can't get it to total out to the penny, it can't figure it out. And so then you need someone else to go, hmm, what happened and look through it. So that's what we do. And we get pretty good at the evaluating and the auditing of those things. There's a mindset to it. There's a way of knowing certain features and places to look that will immediately flag that type of thing. Right. And so that's, Yes. So QuickBooks is definitely incorporating those things more and more for sure. And, and this is, okay. I, sorry, guys, but I guess personal question about QuickBooks. Okay. Uh, QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online. And it seems to me, I, I have the QuickBooks Online. It mm -hmm. seems to me that there's still some glitches or whatever in the QuickBooks Online versus the desktop. Yes. So personal okay. preference for me, mm -hmm. desktop does more. Okay. It has better reporting. I could manipulate them and get the data that I wanted more easily. Okay. Online, it has a lot of benefits too. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are, when you use the desktop, it is literally on your desktop. Yes. So yeah. you can't share it and access it from other things. Mm -hmm. With the QuickBooks Online, I can access it from my phone or I can access it and then a client can access it. But when we use desktop, that's not always the case. And so it has its limiting features. And we do use desktop for a few clients who cannot be served by QuickBooks Online. We've wanted to move them on. We've looked into it with them. And at the end of the day said, this better serves you. QuickBooks Online cannot meet your needs. So mm, I personally prefer desktop. Which do I use? Online. Like it's the convenience yeah. for all the other things I put up with the reports and I've figured out workarounds and mm -hmm. gotten it to do what I want. But Intuit wants you to do QuickBooks online. Right. Hands down, that's their preferred. And they're not supporting desktop near like they were. And so the, it's just continuing to go that way. And majority of our clients are online. So I guess eventually QuickBooks desktop will be like Windows 95. Probably like they keep <laughs> yeah. producing it. Yeah. <laughs> and but so, you, you know, you get to buy it every, every year or so, so that it will still work. But I think if they had their way, they would move just QuickBooks online. So I think that's the route it's going. Yeah, I, th I think so too. I, I've been QuickBooks online for, I don't know how long it's gotten better. Oh, uh, for sure. Of, yeah. Some of the questions yes. have, have, have worked themselves out, but still every, every now and then going, what? I don't understand, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I can figure that out. So let's, as we begin to wrap up, 
What advice would you give to a small business owner out there who, let's say they've been in business for four years mm -hmm. and the business has grown even during the pandemic and they're waking up at 4.30 in the morning, they're going to bed at 2.30 in the morning and getting up and doing the whole thing again and working mm -hmm. on Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays. What, what advice would you give to them? So I would tell them to evaluate their to-do list. I would say, sit down, write down everything that you're responsible for, everything you need to do, put it on a list. And that includes work at home. There's nothing too big, too small to put on this list because it's all a variable in your life. It's all in your brain. You have to keep it sorted. And so put it all on there. Then I would look at that to-do list and start by highlighting the things and marking the things that you are passionate about, it is why you chose your business. It's why you get up in the morning. It's what you want to do. And that's your to-do list. Like those will be on your to-do list. That's what you need to do every day. Everything else at that point is a to-do list for someone else. Ideally, you start outsourcing. So then at that point, you need to figure out what that looks like for you by looking at that list and seeing who do you need? you're going to start seeing themes and categories and areas where I could have someone come in and take care of all of these marketing things for me, because that's just not my, not my expertise. And so you maybe then need to contract with a company who would be able to do your branding, your social media, your website, and just really take all of that over for you so that you don't have to worry about it. Then keep going down the list. How you tackle that depends on you and what's on that list, really. Like, where do you start? You could start with something small because maybe that's the best next step for you. So for me, one of the things that I did was I hired a cleaning lady who comes every other week to clean just the, the bathrooms, floors, you know, the big things so that I know the last time my toilets were cleaned. And that is mental stress off my life. And it makes my business better. It makes me a better actor. It does all the things because I don't have to worry about when the last time someone mobbed my kitchen. And so it can be something as simple as that, or it can be, you know, handing over a chunk of your business, like handing over all of your bookkeeping and letting someone else do that because you dread doing your bookkeeping. So you put it off and put it off. And then you're sitting there at 1230 at night. Fine. I'm finally going to do these things. You're never sending invoices because you just don't get around to it. And finally on a Saturday, you're like, I'm just going to sit here and send all of these out. Then maybe that's what you transition out. And so that's, that's the tactic I use. I actually created a, a digital download that helps you walk through this. Like it's a checklist that you can just fill out and columns to kind of organize and help you prioritize what needs to go off of your to-do list. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would tell them to just take the time and effort to think through all of that and start there. Okay, before I forget, how can they get that digital download? Well, it is on the website for my podcast at com. It's in the resources for one of the episodes, which is, I don't remember which episode it is, but what I can do actually, the better solution is I can put this podcast, this interview that we have once it's live, I can actually put that on the website. They can find this interview and I will put the download as a resource on this page. That would be the best thing to do. Send me the link to that download. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So they can also go there. How can people find you? And by the, by the way, that was a podcast. 
So she started yes. podcasting. Not that she's not busy enough. She went down <laughs> the path of podcasting and started in November of 2020. And I've listened to a couple of the episodes. It's worth your time. Go, go visit her podcast. Yes. Yeah, so that would that would be the other thing like that I might say to someone who is starting their business I, and who is working as, as you described and how I was. The intent and purpose of the podcast is to just share what I've learned through the process of outsourcing and through survival of trying to figure out how to balance all the things that I'm passionate about, because I didn't want to let any of it go. I wanted to do all of those things, but I couldn't manage them all. And so the podcast is literally me sharing that journey of this is how I tackled outsourcing, how I looked at how to do it. So yes, if you want to make a greater impact in your business with fewer of your man hours, so to speak, then check out my podcast because that is literally the goal of it to just help you do that. But you can find me online at Rachel Luther on Instagram and at checking off your list with Rachel Luther on Facebook. And the podcast is at COYL with Rachel Luther.com. And it's on all the platforms as well. It's checking off your list with Rachel Luther. And the website for checking off your list is it's check off your Perfect. Well, Rachel, thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest. I'm tired now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I need to go take a nap because you are so I thought I was busy. God, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flog compared to what you do. <laughs> but thank you so very much for taking time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait to the when we have in-person things again and get a chance to see you. Yes, that sounds wonderful. It's been great being here. I've enjoyed talking with you and I will definitely send you an invite next time I show up on stage somewhere. Cool, thank you. I wanna thank Rachel for her time and her strategies and techniques in outsourcing work to virtual assistants so you can have more time to work on your business and be with your family. I will conclude this episode with an improv quote that I think is fitting for this interview. No matter what the setup. However, the event is crucial in every scene. The situation that makes this day different from all the rest, this is where the action begins. Be safe, be vaccinated. Let's get back to somewhat of a new normal. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.